From rolling dice and drawing cards to solving puzzles and opening locks. For beginners who are new to games, as well as experienced players who want something new. Let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone. In this episode, we're setting the mood. Elevate your gaming experience with these tips and tricks to set an atmosphere for your game nights. In the dice roll, we talk games with theming that naturally sets a tone. We become medieval knights in our latest escape room report, and of course, talk our Friday favorites. Lauren, some games have a really nice theme to them, but sometimes you want to elevate your game night to just a little bit more special. Mm -hmm. Make it more memorable. Right. You know, uh, just like how we talk about with escape rooms, sometimes just the fact that it was so well themed and we felt so immersed into the story they were giving us, doesn't matter if we lost or not. Mm -hmm. We still had a great time and we'll remember those ones better than like the ones that were just kind of humdrum. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and I like to think that there's ways that you can elevate your own game night for any tabletop game. And so what we're doing is we're going to share some ways in which you can kind of set the mood to bring your game night to the next level with your other senses. So to start us off, I lately have been getting a lot into soundboards. Mm-hmm. I, I discovered these two sites that I pretty much have favorited to my, you mm-hmm. know, uh, to my browser as soon as it comes up with a new window. And what they are is it's background music or ambient noises that you can kind of either take a pre-programmed list that someone else took time to make or even make your own to kind of add some just, you know, background ambiance to your games. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people tend to do this for things like D&D. Yeah. So it, it can definitely bring up some additional emotions and put the players in the right mood and kind of mindset mm-hmm. of believing that you are in this world or in this scenario just think about any kind of movie that you've seen if you eliminated the background noise and the background track just the guy running through the woods away from the monster is kind of weird you know <laughs> yeah you need that da, 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 da kind mm-hmm. of music behind it so uh two of the sites that i found that i think are really great uh recommendations for anyone who wants to experiment around with background sounds uh the first one is called board games dot ambient dash mixer.com so you just type in ambient mixer you can find it and what's cool about that is that they actually have preset soundboards that people have made specifically for this game or that game yeah and i mean it's specifically for your favorite board game so right away the like some of the featured ones that they have for that pop-up first are ones for pandemic and betrayal on house on the hill or mysterium I kind of want to find out about that Monopoly one. That, <laughs> what is that, just cash registers going all the time? I don't know. Does the car go vroom? <laughs> but yeah, so you, you have to keep, remember, though, these are made by individuals, everyday people like mm-hmm. you and me, but they have taken the time to find these sounds and mix them in a way that they think will most be evocative of the uh-huh. game itself. And so, yeah, if you're looking for Mysterium Soundboard, there's one right there on the front. And you still have some control, though. You do. You can you can edit it yourself as well. You can, oh, I don't like this sound, or I wish they had that more. So you can raise the volumes of them, and then also you can change the frequency. You can have it be just constantly going once every one minute, once every hour, mm-hmm. kind of whatever you want, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, never have them so loud that you can't hear your players. Yeah, make sure that the volumes, it wants to be background noise. Yes. Now, <laughs> you don't want your players shouting over the actual noise that <laughs> yeah, you're trying to set the Yeah, it shouldn't over, over, you know, bear itself on the players. It should just be in the background. Excellent point. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. 
Uh, the other uh, site that I wanted to bring up, if you don't want something that's specifically for that game, mm -hmm. or you have something that's maybe a game that's not listed there, but you kind of know and understand what the theme is, they do have tabletopaudio.com. And this one, it's more generic open themes. Mm -hmm. Like here, we just have one that's just called Graveyard or Floating Ice Castle. <laughs> or Mummy's Tomb. Yeah. And what's great about these, this site is that it does have the sound boards. If you have to go to the top near home and there's this thing called sound pad that you can click on so that you can go mix your own and mess mm -hmm. with it some. Or they do have uh, usually about 10 minute loops of pre-recorded ones that people have done. Mm -hmm. And these were probably really good for your RPGs or your D&Ds. Definitely, yeah. Or like, you know, uh, we have a lot of games that would not necessarily be thought of enough by people to have their own soundboards with the ambient mixer, like maybe a Time Stories one, you know, mm -hmm. for the, the Prophecy of Dragons that we did recently. Uh -huh. So maybe you don't find an actual board for that there, but like I said, maybe the one that's called the Tavern Music mm -hmm. would be good, or Wizard's Tower, yeah, you know, depending on what area you're kind of going uh -huh. to. So definitely adding sound and the background noise, but like you said, excellent point. Keep the volume low. Yeah, you don't want it to be overwhelming. And all of these, um, you can also use them on your phone too. Right. So you don't have to you have a computer sitting there. You could just do it on your phone. If yeah, you exactly. I, I don't know if there's apps for these or not, but I just did my straight browser on the phone mm -hmm. and you can access them just as easily. Yeah, yeah. and you, you did this recently for we, um, one of our friends is a big Jaws fan. Mm -hmm. And so he brought the new Jaws game over and so you had made sort of a beach-themed soundboard. Well, that. I did too, actually. It was great because, especially on the sound pad for tabletop audio, it has the ability that you can do one mix, save it, and then do another mix and save that. And the Jaws board game itself kind of has two phases. So the first phase, I did a beach theme with seagulls going and kind of just people having fun on the beach. But then the second one, I did more of like a, you know, dramatic music thing mm -hmm. kind of thing because that's when the shark's attacking. Uh -huh. So I was able to, at a moment's notice, just with one click, switch it over mm -hmm. to the other soundboard. And that was, it really helped change the tone of the game and the mood and everything. It got everyone pumped. Mm -hmm. for the, at least got me pumped. And then um, the other one you did was um, Betrayal at, at House on the Hill. Yeah. yeah. You had had a kind of a scary mix that, you know, it would be like this kind of haunted house sound. And then maybe every five minutes someone might scream or you might hear a music box play. Yeah. Or... Something that's like, you know, you would expect to hear random weird creepy noises. Uh -huh. And that one, it's nice because I had like a, I think for that one specifically, I chose like an old like uh, kind of like Victorian record to be playing softly mm -hmm. in the background maybe the sound of like distant thunder, you know, approaching, so like a storm's brewing. Uh -huh. And then every five to 10 minutes, just like the sound of footsteps or a child laughing mm -hmm. or yeah, a music box playing or someone screaming. And it, mm -hmm. it, I always made it sound as if it's somewhere else in the house. Mm -hmm. So that way, you know, cause it's always spooky of like, oh God, did you hear a scream? You know? <laughs> so yeah, and then of course, when the haunt happens and the game switches, I had another Mm -hmm. soundboard that was a bit more amped for the music and a bit more like in the room right now kind of noises <laughs> but it definitely gives a, a a cue as to what kind of emotions you should be feeling you mm -hmm. know of you should be feeling more dread and uneasiness versus absolute terror and panic mm -hmm. 
Another thing that um, I've seen too is there's actually some companies that make um, candles that are specifically for your RPGs and your um, kind of board game nights. Um, and they're kind of geeky themed. But there's one in particular called Epic Adventure Candles. And they actually do candles um, that might be um, like specific to a character within D&D. And they even have like a little plus like Bard plus three and it might be a certain scent. Or they'll have things that, you know, it smells like a campfire or, you know, um, something else like that might be invocative of um, a gaming scenario. And that's just another kind of nice way to set a mood. You know, obviously you don't want anything that's um, off-putting to the people over. Yeah. Um, but it's a nice way to just sort of set a little bit of atmosphere. And, and you're right. Scent and the sense of smell is so overlooked and often forgotten. Mm-hmm. by people when trying to set some kind of a mood, you know? And for here, yeah, I mean, they have ones that are specifically, like one says uh, Butterbrew, which I'm sure is a Harry Potter reference, mm-hmm. you know? But then they also, like you said, have just Campfire. Yeah, and, and just that would be really cool if you're having, like, a D&D session or something. Yeah, I mean, of course, the only downside to this is you can't switch it, like, you know, quickly. You don't want to have yeah. 10 candles and, like, a lighter ready to go, you know? <laughs> no. But at the same time... It does make a difference. And if you're going to be doing a D&D session where you are going, you know you're going to be in one type of area mm-hmm. for a long time. Like one of these was uh, something to the effect of like being by the sea wharf. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have the name in front of me right now, but it's essentially like that where it's like a coastal kind of scent. Mm-hmm. You know, so you probably have like a lot of sea salt in there and things like that. So if your characters are going sailing mm-hmm. or if they're going to be on the dagger coast in D&D, you know, then yeah, like that, you know, kind of <laughs> add that to it. Also, think about it. A lot of theme parks do that, too. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been on the, especially Soarin' Over the World, it used to be Soarin' Over California, they have a moment when you're in there, a couple moments, where they will spray you with a scent to make you believe that you're there. Like when you're going over the Taj Mahal, the scent of jasmine wafts into your nose. Uh-huh. Even when you're flying over the, the savannah of Africa mm-hmm. and the elephant throws up dirt. Yeah, you can smell the dirt in the grass. Yeah, yeah, because they're pumping the air into you, Mm -hmm. and I know because I'm not watching the movie; I'm watching out the machines. Yeah, and I mean, it's just it's just an easy little thing that you can do that kind of sets a nice Mm -hmm. little mood, you know. And like these particular ones from um, Epic Adventures, um, they are like natural soy. Uh, based candles and stuff so i'm sure they're very light and you know not, not full heavy of, on chemicals yeah not full of your chemicals a lot of people when they think of candles they think of like the things that you get at like yankee candles which are you know really strong and overpowering yeah and they do list online as well what these scents are specifically like if you click on any one of them it'll tell you oh this has a citron flavor with sage wood mm-hmm. and things like that so as long as you know what that smells like and you're just i would say make a list Find out what smells you absolutely hate. Mm-hmm. And as long as it doesn't have that, you know, like, yeah. oh, rosemary? No, thank you, kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, I mean, I, we haven't tried this particular company yet, but I'd be totally willing to go through here with you afterwards and buy mm-hmm. a candle that we like. And, yeah. I mean, they, they look like they're kind of small little jars, but yeah. it's like $10. and uh-huh. Yeah, and, I mean, like I said, you can, I don't think you can go wrong with something just as simple as, like, campfire because I don't know anyone who doesn't like that smell. Right. Everybody has some kind of a memory of the smell of, like, setting a fire in the fireplace around mm-hmm. Christmas time or going camping in the summer. So why not? As yeah. long as it fits the theme of your game, mm-hmm. sure. Another thing that we always need to think about when it comes to game nights is 
healthy sense of taste in your food and drink. And this can be, you know, Pizza doesn't count. Yeah. And this can be, you know, you can go as far as you want or as simple as you want. You know, you could do something where you're just maybe making a special um, drink for the night, be that a cocktail or a mocktail or whatever. You know, for, um, say, you're doing the one we talked about, um, the Jaws Mm -hmm. one, you know, you could do like a shark bite drink or something and have like the little gummy sharks in your drink or something. Um, I'm almost curious if they actually have drinks named after the three characters from that movie. How great (laughs) would that be? Um, Or, you know, you can go even further where, you know, maybe everything that you have set out for that evening is themed. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you've listened to this podcast, you know we do a lot of theme nights for our game nights. We do. We've done a night where everything was rainbow. And for that night, we were playing Unstable Unicorns because (laughs) unicorns and rainbows goes hand in hand. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you can get as creative and go as far with it as you want, or you can do something just simple with, like, a simple drink or maybe a special dessert or something. Yeah, and I mean... It depends on how crafty you are of a person. Mm-hmm. Me particularly, I like to do it. I'm just not good at it, you know? <laughs> but, you know, you can go the whole, oh, I'm going to hollow out a, a watermelon and put fruit in there and then make like a little like pole and make it look like a boat, mm-hmm. you know, for like the sail and everything. If you want to do that, fine. Or if you want to do something where you just label a jar full of pretzels and call it crab legs, <laughs> you know, like the little pretzel sticks. You yeah. Know? Or um, one of the ones we saw that was really clever is someone had taken um, goldfish and mixed them with just regular potato chips and called it fish and chips. I mean, that's clever and cute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's something simple. It's not hard to do, but it's still really cute. And I mean, like some of the other more advanced ones that I see is someone took like some some kind of like a seashell shaped cookies, put a little bit of raspberry jam in between and looks like a little like candy pearl. So mm-hmm. it looks like, you know, oysters with a pearl in it. And like, if you want to take the time to do that, like more points <laughs> to you, but... Oh, yeah. gosh. You know, I hope you had the day <laughs> yeah. to, like, prepare. The last thing we want to talk about is the table itself. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, usually people just put the game on the table, put the food on the table, and that's it. Maybe you have a tablecloth there anyways, but your table is as it is normally. But I say, why not dress up the table a little bit, you know? If you know that your game is going to be nautical-themed. Mm-hmm. At the gross, most grocery stores, if not party supply centers, you can get, like, a cheap paper or like vinyl blue tablecloth covering and just kind of just that little extra color Mm -hmm. for like almost like the base palette of the table can make a big difference Mm -hmm. you know if you know you're going to do something in a game that's in forest or fields of some kind get some green if you can do like a horror or like a scary thing maybe some black or like a deep purple Mm -hmm. you know doesn't have to be exactly like a one-to-one like on point color you know but just something to kind of Make things different. Make it noticeable. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, even just putting out little knickknacks that you might have or that you maybe can get cheaply from different places just to kind of like remind people of what the theme is. Yeah. And once again, you can go as simple or as far as you want. You mm-hmm. can just have the simple tablecloth or, you know, you can kind of do a little bit more. I mean, think of it kind of like how you might theme for Halloween. You know, some people go all out. Some people, you maybe you just have, you know, a couple cobwebs sitting around and maybe like exactly. a skull or two. And just a, something little to kind of remind people, oh, this is kind of the theme we're going for. Yeah, I mean, even just to do an orange tablecloth 
in one little like paper cut out of a jack-o'-lantern mm-hmm. on the table that's enough to get people to be like oh yeah okay we're having a halloween party awesome yeah. you know even if nothing else is halloween that says it's halloween mm-hmm. and that's enough to get people kind of like elevated in the mood for it you know so yeah it just depends on how much or how heavy or light you want to go with it. yeah there's one that we've been um really wanting to do or i should say greg's been really wanting I'm to do dying to do um so he got the game um dinosaur tea party which we have not played yet but that is because he would really like us to do a full English tea, which we actually have done in the past for our game night. We did English tea once. We're very good at making little tea sandwiches. Um, and he wants it to also be dinosaur themed. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say we are going to have a full English tea party. Lauren's a big Anglophile, so she knows <laughs> all the right things. But she watched Downton Abbey like three times or something. So like <laughs> she knows the rules and stuff. I'm going to insist that people dress up at least a little bit nice. I'm not saying you have to be like tuxedo and cocktail dresses, <laughs> but like, let's not do t-shirt and jeans. Uh-huh. You know? And I am then going to go to the store to my local party city. And I'm going to buy all the cheap decorations that are dinosaur themed. As long as they don't say happy birthday, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just, and I trust me, I have lots of dinosaur figurines too. I'm a big dinosaur nerd, uh-huh. so like I would just decorate everything. I like maybe out of paper mache, like or like cardboard cutouts. Make a little uh, top hat for my dinosaurs. Put them all in their bow ties. <laughs> Look, maybe if I have some like little bits of paper, like color paper, I can make a dress, mm-hmm. like a little paper dress for my Velociraptor, you know, <laughs> and just go for it. You know, just like have the weird clash of you know nice proper English tea party. Versus, like, cheat kid dinosaurs, you know? <laughs> and, like, that's amazing, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's two themes already that do not belong together, but we're doing this, so. Yeah, and, I mean, we're just talking about, like I said, it can be as um, complicated as you want or as full-blown as you want or it can be as simple as you want. It's all about just making game night a little bit more special um, than your average experience, doing something a little bit different to make it more memorable. Yeah, um, and what's more memorable than having a nice kind of four-string quartet music in the background (laughs) with a dinosaur roar every now and then. Yeah. Well, we will give some advice, though. Um, If you're, especially when it comes to, like, your food and things like that, um, you know, sometimes it's good to, if you're doing this just by yourself, maybe do something very simple to start with and see if your friends are interested in helping. Don't, you know, go out go full-blown, and then have your friends just be like, okay, well, whatever, and yeah, not care. Yeah, go slow and easy at first. Mm-hmm. Build up to it. Because you don't want to, you know, be footing the bill for this huge thing and then have your friends not really care or appreciate it. If you go slow and let people know that, like, you're into this mm-hmm. and you're into, like, kind of upping the the production value, if you will, of game night a little bit, then hopefully people will, will enjoy that mm-hmm. and will want to not only make sure that they come, but even contribute. Maybe yeah. then you could even like have a rotation thing of like, okay, Lauren, this week you're in charge of getting like decorations. I'm in charge of the drinks and, you know, someone else is in charge of setting the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, um, you know, it can be kind of daunting if you, especially if you host game nights like frequently, like every week, like we do, um, to like, okay, well, what are we going to do this time? What are we going to do this time? Yeah. So having like, okay, leaning into a theme, it kind of like, tells you right away, okay, well, we're going to do, you know, like we said, keep using it as an example, but a nautical theme. Yeah. All right, so already that kind of says, okay, we got to find nautical theme food. It kind of gives you, you don't have to be creative necessarily in some it ways. It gives you direction. It though. gives you a direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, normally it's just like, oh, God, I don't want pizza again. We've had pizza all the, you know, and things like that. It, yeah, it gets right. hard it, to plan. It helps you focus your choices. Yeah, exactly. And indecision can be one of the most 
annoying parts mm-hmm. of a gaming group of like, oh, what do you want to do? I don't know. What yeah, you do, exactly. You know? It kind of it automatically um, kind of creates a list of what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just some ways that we thought of that you can do to set the mood mm-hmm. at your gaming table. I mean, there's other minor suggestions like if you have plenty of time, maybe you can watch a movie mm-hmm. that has a particular theme and play the game afterwards. Like you can watch The Godfather and then play Cash and Guns afterwards. <laughs> you know, because yeah. then while you're playing, like maybe you're like quoting the movie back to people mm-hmm. or you're at least talking about like, you know, hey, I'm no Fredo. Yeah. Thing, you know. Or even, you know, one of the things if you have that um, option is um, maybe have a, a movie going kind of in the background lowly um, that kind of helps when people are having that you know in between their turn and stuff that they yeah. can just kind of look up and see especially the movie. if it's one that kind of everybody knows mm-hmm. like Elf yeah you know if it's Christmas time and you're playing a Christmas game put Elf on in the background <laughs> yeah because everyone knows it no one has to focus too hard on it but yeah you, you can know. just look up oh it's the snowball fight scene okay mm-hmm. then you go back down like you you know what happens you know? yeah exactly so yeah, so those are some ways that we thought we could help set the mood. Mm-hmm. Now for our dice roll this time, we want to talk about games that already have a fantastic theme and kind of set the mood on their own without very little help. So one of the first ones that I thought of was uh, Mysterium. Oh yes. So Mysterium one. already has, just based on its artwork and it's kind of the theme of the game, is it's already kind of dark and mysterious and... Um, kind of it has this haunted theme or whatever. Um, so, and it kind of, you know, it the cards sort of look like tarot cards, but aren't tarot cards. They're you've the got, size of tarot cards. Yeah, so you've got unusual. like the crystal ball um, tokens and stuff like that. You yeah. know, you could easily, um, you know, turn the lights down low and put on a creepy soundtrack and you've got a, a, na- a night. I've always said I would love to play Mysterium by Candlelight. It'd be fun, I think, you know, or at least get the lights turn low enough uh-huh. so that it's like candlelight. Yeah. You know, I think that'd be really fun. Mm-hmm. Plus then you do have the the player who's the ghost who cannot speak. Yeah. That built-in mechanic then leads to you have to find some way to get the ghost to confirm or deny things to you without using verbal communication on their part. So you mm-hmm. have to ask the question and say like, knock three times if <laughs> it was the nun, you know, and then if you hear nothing, you're like, ah. One of the things that, um, too, I've kind of, we, you and I had discussed this previously about Mysterium, is although it does kind of have like this ghost theme and stuff, nothing about it is super like occulty or, you know, to where you might feel, some people might feel uncomfortable. No, it's, it's very open and because yeah i have a thing about that Mm -hmm. where i refuse to touch ouija boards Mm -hmm. like i i don't want to take that chance you know people say like you really think it's going to open a portal to the netherworld i'm like do you want to take that chance that it does (laughs) you know kind of let's play it safe you know (laughs) so yeah but like playing mysterium even a superstitious person like me i don't have a problem with it yeah yeah it's not actually tarot cards yeah they just kind of are supposed to embody them because of the right size. Yeah, they're just sort of like their artwork. There's nothing about them. They're mm-hmm. still kind of up to interpretation. Yeah. But they're not that kind of that same sort of, you know, man with knives or, you know, they're or, not like that. Or the that. tower or whatever. Yeah, is, yeah. exactly. Um, so there's kind of no sort of religion or occult to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of nice, safe in that terms for everybody like i would be more upset and offended by going on the haunted mansion ride at disneyland and i've been on that a thousand times (laughs) speaking of the undead 
one that I think is a strong uh, theme built into it is one that we have and haven't played in a little while, and it's called Zombies! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And that one is a survivor horror game in which you are a bunch of people trying to go from the town square and search your way through this town to gather supplies as needed and then eventually get to the helicopter and get out. You have tokens that represent your, your health, which are little like actual anatomical hearts, and then you have bullets. And it's just one of those games that every decision you make, you know you're doing the wrong choice. <laughs> because I, I really need supplies and the gas station could have what I need, but to go in there means I have to face at least three zombies, maybe more, and can I handle that, mm -hmm. you know? And the zombies always constantly coming towards you. So you're constantly kind of running from them, fighting them off, trying to survive. And it's also one of those games where you can work with other players at first, uh -huh. but they will inevitably betray you. Because it's kind of a only one person can only win. Only one person can get on the chopper mm -hmm. in the end. It's not like uh, it's not like the Forbidden Island series where like everyone's got to get there, mm -hmm. then we all win. No, it's I'm first, you know, first in, first out. So I really do like that. The only thing I would say that I might recommend more than that would be the Dead of Winter game. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I don't recommend that automatically over zombies is that Dead of Winter is a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more components to it. You have to manage food resources. You have to manage, you know, trash. Everybody has a secret objective that they're trying to do. There and may be a traitor. There, there may, may not, not be a traitor, traitor, which adds to paranoia, uh -huh. which is fantastic. So I do technically recommend Dead of Winter as being the better themed mm -hmm. game. But still, Zombies, if you're looking for something a bit more simple and honestly quicker to do, mm -hmm. it's still really well done. And I mean, the artwork on it, you know, is so gory of like zombies eating mm -hmm. different people and kind of gruesome. So like definitely if you're squeamish, that's not the game for you. <laughs> but you could have an entire zombie themed night with zombie games. You could. And the best part is... They have all these uh, zombie figurines that mm -hmm. you can put out because Dead of Winter has the kind of, how do I describe it? Like it's like the cardboard rectangles with uh -huh. the faces in them. Yeah. And they look great. Don't get me wrong. But there's something about actual like plastic figurines that look mm -hmm. pretty, even better. Even mm -hmm. if they're like just kind of monocolored. Because uh -huh. they actually have two. They have a male and a female zombie. And the female zombies are like gray and the male zombies are green. But they still look great, you know, compared to just a, you know, white background uh, you know, drawn zombie. Uh -huh. I think there's just something more intimidating about that. Mm -hmm. So definitely, I'd recommend the zombies. Uh. <laughs> and obviously, if you're a big Walking Dead fan. These, if you're a big Walking Dead fan, it's you. great, yeah. And like I said, the only reason I, I think recommend zombies over dead of winter at all would just be if you want something simpler and mm. more straightforward. If you're okay with going for the advanced rule set, go dead of winter. Because if you're a really big fan of um, Walking Dead, that gets hardcore into things like that. Mm -hmm, Plus yeah. then also you have to do like, oh, do we sacrifice this person that we found? Or like, you know, because we don't have enough food. So do we kill the old man or the little girl? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another one that is one of my favorites is Letters from Whitechapel. Now, obviously this already has kind of a, a grim and gory sort of theme because it's Jack the Ripper themed. Mm -hmm. But then also you have kind of this nice um, hand-drawn um, old old map that it looks like this old map that on like um, brown paper on brown yeah. paper and it's very you know it's very much um old london and you've got kind of very simple tokens but like for instance the the victims are these very stark white tokens mm -hmm. so those are and then you um also have like the different um the black tokens and the little red 
things. So they're, they're very stark against that background. Um, they really do pop, yeah. Yeah, and then just the, the, the way the game plays as well. You know, it's kind of, um, it's sort of co-op, but it's kind of everybody against one person who's playing Jack. Mm-hmm. And there's this rush to try to find him and everyone's working together and um, he's constantly outwitting them, especially if I'm playing him. <laughs> and um, the, it just automatically kind of sets this um, atmosphere and tone to trying to solve this case. And the thing I really like about it is the panic and the frustration mm-hmm. that comes from the constable side of, we know he was here. And it's one of those games where, based upon the number of movements that Jack makes, you can calculate out, he has to be here, here, here. Uh-huh. Like, logically speaking, there's only so many options of ways that Jack can go down the different alleys and streets. Mm-hmm. But then, at the same time... If you if you thought you investigated an area but you didn't investigate it properly, then you could have missed a lead or like a trail of clues, and you're totally off base, you know. So the idea of going in one direction, not getting lucky right away, and then Jack keeps getting further and further away, and you just know that you're losing time and you're losing <laughs> ground. You know you're not going to catch him on the first night. Probably not going to catch him on the second night. You hope to God you can catch him on the third. If not, then your fourth is your last ditch effort, you know. <laughs> But it's just the idea of like kind of building the clues and trying to track where could he have possibly gone. And also it's getting to the head of your opponent. Is the player playing Jack brave enough to come right past me? Yeah. To sure. to instead of like running like a fox from hounds, you uh-huh. know, away, you know, and just trying to circle around. Would he be brave enough to come right at me, walk right by me without me realizing mm-hmm. it? Or are they going to take a side route? And the only downside, I think, is to this game is that while the constables are all talking and trying to figure out what Jack's doing, Jack is literally just sitting right there at the table with uh-huh. his or her own little map of the board. Yeah, so Jack is privy to their strategy or what they where they think he might go. So it gives him this idea of, okay, on my next turn, I'm not going to go that way because that's the way they think I'm going. And so I, I would just argue that Jack is a little too omniscient, mm-hmm. you know, because he knows what the constable's strategy is going to be. And also Jack does have these four cards he can play at any time that are like letters. Mm-hmm. Those are the letters from, you know, White Chapel. Uh-huh. Things. And they allow him to have this particular one-time use bonus. Mm-hmm. And so if the constables are maybe getting close, he can more, even more easily get away. So the only, I think, change I would do is because if you think about it, Jack is not going to be like having a radio tuned into the police frequencies back in, <laughs> yeah. you know, 1885 or whatever <laughs> the time period was. So I would say maybe have Jack make their move because they have their own little map and then either go into the next room or like put on headphones and like really blast music Mm. (laughs) just so that way they don't hear the other detectives talking or detectives just go off to the side and like have a quiet conversation you know Mm -hmm. i I think that little change would probably make a big difference Mm -hmm. you know i do know that in the expansion that they have for it they do have some rule changes i don't remember what they are off the top of my head but they do make it a bit easier for the constables to catch jack Mm -hmm. where the jack gets a few new power-ups as well so it it kind of balances itself out Uh you know then the last one I wanted to bring up, getting off of the whole macabre theme a yeah. bit, is uh, Flashpoint Fire Rescue. This is the one where you're playing as firefighters going into a burning building to save civilians, put out fires, and hopefully prevent the entire building from collapsing on itself. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of those co-op games where we all like live together or die alone kind mm-hmm. of thing. And 
what I love about it is the stress of so many things that you have to do and not enough time to do them all. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to make sure that you move these chemicals that could explode out of the fire's way. You have to put out these fires before they spread faster. You have to go investigate this noise and see if it was a person hiding there or it's nothing. You have to watch out for your own safety. You have to watch out for your teammates' safety. So many things you have to constantly be worried about. And I'm sure just like being a real firefighter in an actual situation, you're like, oh God, like what's going on? <laughs> I mean, God bless those men and women. I'm sure they're really well trained and probably practice with it, but I would probably freak out my first time. <laughs> I would definitely recommend Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Just the idea of constantly juggling priorities and teamwork, you know, uh, task management and like threat assessment of like, this is going to go, we need to get on top of this. Uh -huh. now, you know? And I mean, you could argue that like, yeah, pandemic does that too, mm -hmm. but that's kind of more you know, spreading across different countries around the world. But this is the here, now, and local. Uh -huh. And I think the fact that it shows the layout of a house that could easily be, like, anybody's house, mm -hmm. that kind of makes it a bit more real. So all you have to do is uh, get your ambient fireplace sounds and some spicy drinks. And, and... turn off the AC. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just let the heat flow into your house during the summer. Yeah, get some spicy food, <laughs> some spicy drinks. Get some fireball whiskey, yeah. you know, if you drink at all. Maybe some cinnamon uh, candies, like cinnamon Jolly Ranchers yeah. would be good, you know, and just really enjoy that. <laughs> well, speaking of um, great theming and immersion, mm -hmm. we did an escape room recently that really made us feel like we were medieval knights. So let's talk about Mind Traps Excalibur. <laughs> So Greg, remember a couple months back, we talked about an escape room that looked beautiful, mm -hmm. but was terrible. Ugh. And it was a medieval theme. Well, medieval themes have redeemed themselves oh, because yeah. we've done one that was fantastic. So this is a company that we've been to before. We've reviewed their rooms in the past. It's called Mind Trap Escape Rooms. They're um, located in Temecula and they have a new location in Murrieta, California. Yep. Um, which those cities are very close to one another. So um, they just, they they opened a second location because they needed more room. Um, and we've done some of the rooms in the past and we really liked their rooms and they opened this new location. And so we, we've been very eager to go out. And so we chose one day, it was like a last minute thing. We chose to go out and do their um, Excalibur room, which was a medieval themed room. And this room was literally everything that that other room should have been. Right. It was like, so everything much better. Was, you know, I mean, it had just as good set design, if not better. And all of the puzzles, not only there, there were lots of them, mm -hmm. and they made sense for the room, which is, you know, all we wanted from the other one was puzzles that made sense to the room and that were well-constructed and not busy work. Yes. Also, this room had multiple rooms to it. Yes. And each one got like better and better and better. So many times we've mm -hmm. seen rooms where the first one is like the best foot forward. Yeah. And it gets like a little bit like they kind of run out of ideas or start to run out of money. This one, it kept like upping its own game. Yeah. In terms of like set decoration, puzzles. Yeah. Everything was like, oh my gosh, can I please get to the next room already? Yeah. Well, it was like this constant kind of like surprise. So when you first go in, like, and I had kind of seen, because um, they, this, they're kind of good about sort of giving a little bit of pictures and a little bit of hint of what their rooms mm -hmm. look like. So you kind of get a taste. So I always appreciate that because even if it's not something spoilery, at least I can see, okay, it's not an office room with a, you know, um, a combination lockbox or a briefcase sitting there. Yeah. You know, like I can see there's, there's some thought and stuff put mm -hmm. into this. So, um, when we first go in, you're just sort of in this dark 
kind of just wood room. Like an armory. It's supposed to be like the armory, yeah. But you're just like, oh, like, okay, like this, I was expecting more. But then there's like this little trap door that you can look through and you can see like literally what looks like a beautiful like garden. Like an enchanted moonlit forest. Yeah, Yeah. I mean like, and you're looking through and you're like, oh my God. And I was like, we need to get through this door now. Yeah, like I even like, because I looked through first and I was like, oh my God, Greg, you need to look at this. Like you won't believe what's next. And it's amazing the feeling of because it's different from we need to get to the door because that's the next thing on the checklist yeah we know we have to get to the door because of the puzzle and the requirement to and get to, to the get room. escape yeah in this case i want to get to the door because i want to be in the next room and I we just can want only to see check part it of it yeah and you can only see just the tiniest little peephole through it it's like mm-hmm. we need to get out of here now because that room is so much better than this room yeah and exactly. don't get me wrong the the armory was still well themed and, and there and there were multiple puzzles in that room and that's only one of a couple rooms but so. it's just the next room was so much better mm-hmm. and once again, once we got into the enchanted forest, yeah, we then could see through an actual portcullis, the kind of gate thing that comes up and down with a drawbridge, mm-hmm. and through there, there was the Knights of the Round Table room, and that looked even better. Yeah, yeah, it just keeps getting better and better. Um, and I, I mean, I definitely think my favorite room is, or favorite part of the room was that sort of outdoor enchanted like garden forest mm-hmm. area because it really did feel like we were outside, yeah. and we're all we are in is a storefront in Marietta. You know, like, we are not, you know, insane. it was, like, incredible. Um, I mean, they had a, a fountain slowly trickling. Yeah, they had, like, maybe a little bit of a misting or something, but yeah. not, like, overwhelming like sometimes they do. They had soft blue lighting. Yeah, they had, yeah, they did really great things with lighting. Like, everything about the theming was perfect. Yeah. All the props were really good in there, too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, at one point, you do get a sword, and it felt like a hefty, cool sword. Yeah. Like, it didn't feel like a, you know, a little toy sword that a kid would have. I could have killed you with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just. You could have just hit me with it and it would hurt. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was just, and like there was, there's a lot to do in that room. Like there are a lot of puzzles and they all made sense and went with the the theme. And it was funny because we talked to the the owner. um, Well, I mean, we've talked to the owner a couple of times because it's a local room, but we were talking to him afterwards and he said, you know, one of his concerns about it is there is sort of a blacklight puzzle at one point, mm-hmm. but it's not where you have a blacklight flashlight and are searching. Yeah. It's just sort of like a blacklight turns on and you can see some like runes or something written on the wall. But it's after you've done like kind of a spell that then would illuminate that. Exactly. So, you can see so it. It, it like it does fit. And like I said, it's not like, like I was telling him, I'm like, yeah, but you didn't give us a little flashlight in a medieval room and said, search the walls. Yeah. You know, like no, that doesn't it's like, fit. We have to do like a druidic ritual uh-huh. that then makes the runes seemingly to us glow where they weren't before yeah so it fits within the theme of like oh my gosh i just did magic exactly yeah the um, other cool thing that i really liked for theming and this is something that other games really need to step the game up on and mm-hmm. do better is how you keep track of time in the yes room. because most places it's just here's a tv screen with a digital clock mm-hmm. counting down from 60 yeah you know or even just like a little countdown clock like you might see in a gym or something yeah there. whatever yeah you know and like if don't get me wrong if it fits the theme fine yeah but in this case any kind of analog clock like that would not have worked even mm-hmm. a clock that it has little hands that are just going around like a, a face uh-huh. wouldn't work you know so what they did was they actually had 10 candles laid out on a shelf above where we could reach and they're like you know digital like you know electric candles not uh-huh. like actual burning fire and they were programmed that after six minutes one of the candles will go out yeah so you don't have an exact time but you have a general time mm-hmm. of okay three candles are out we've been here for about 
18, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I loved that because, I mean, when do you ever need to know the exact amount of seconds you have left? Mm -hmm. No, you just need to have a sense of urgency of like, we are running out of time. Yeah. Or, okay, we've still got half our time left. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was genius to include burning candles because that's honestly, if you go through history, that's how some time units were measured. Yeah. Back in the day, even as um, recent as the uh, founding father's days Mm -hmm. in like the 18th century. If a guy wanted to date a girl, the father would set a candle and be like, you get, you can go on the stage for as long as this candle's burning. Yeah, well, and yeah. And like the guy, shorter candle. And, and candle lengths were like, okay, this is an hour long. Like this, this candle length will take an hour to burn. Yeah. And this candle length and will take, that. you know, yeah. Sometimes they even had like lines on the candle to indicate time. Yeah. You know? So to use candles as a unit of time, mm-hmm. especially when it was supposed to be like at night, brilliant. Yeah. In a medieval setting. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, this room also did something which happens very infrequently to me, where it one of the rooms I didn't know there was another room, oh, and it we surprised were totally us. Surprised. Um, so I mean, anytime a room can do that, anytime you can hide a doorway that I can't see because I'm usually really good at figuring out, oh, we're oh, going to go through there, gonna move. or oh, that we're going to go through the fireplace, or oh, we're going to like anytime you can trick me, it's usually you've done a really good job and because I can usually spot. We were both completely taken aback. We, yeah. we had like finished the last thing and we were like, oh, okay, so we're done. And nope, door popped open. Oh, we're not done. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like I said, just the puzzles. Like I don't, I definitely in this case, you, you guys know anytime we review a really good room, that's when we really don't want to give anything mm-hmm. away. If it's a terrible room that we're not recommending, we're more likely to say a spoiler and I yeah. don't want to spoil this room. But like some of the, the puzzles that you do, like you have to, you know, actually like stack weapons and spears in certain ways. Mm-hmm. You have to use actual um, sundials to like, you know, put in the right way. Mm-hmm. So that makes something happen. Um, you have to read runes. You have to read sigils. We have to use a pulley system. Yeah, we have to use a pulley system. Um, there's just all these like really cool things. You know, you have to stack shields and goblets, and there's logic puzzles and things. And like read that. lore about the Knights of the Round Table. Yeah, you have to use. At one point, you have to use a piece of armor, and like mm-hmm. you know, it was just also fitting with the theme. It was. Like A plus across the board. Honestly. Yeah, and what I would say too with this with this company, what we really found, and I think it it just like it was true with their first location. We talked about, I believe we've talked about both their um, their conspiracy room and their gold rush room. Yeah, which their conspiracy room it, it's a quality room, but I think their gold rush room you really see like their set design coming to play mm-hmm. and like how great the room can be. But now I think with their new location, like these rooms, this is their, their sort of second phase. It's the new generation. It's their new generation of games. And with Excalibur, you're just seeing like, you're seeing that set design. You're seeing that puzzle design just keep going up a notch. And I think that's going to be true for all of the rooms there. Mm -hmm. Um, And what just amazes me is, so, you know, we're used to, because we're in Southern California near LA, we know LA is known as having some of the best escape rooms in the country, right? So we are very spoiled in that respect. Right. But we also know that if you want those really quality high set design games, you pretty much have to go to LA. Like we have a couple of good ones here where we live, 
but they're nothing, you know, there's no, there's not huge set design. You're still in an office building usually. They do what they can, but you're not in for a lot of set design. Um, so to go somewhere like this, which is even further from LA than we are, mm-hmm. um, you're not expecting that. You pull up outside, it is just in an industrial building, you know, next to a Pizza Hut or something, you know, like it's not in anything that you would think, There's oh. sandwich between a Pizza Hut and a kid's dentist office. Yeah, like you're just like, you're not expecting anything. And it's also surrounded by residential areas. So, yeah. you know, it's nothing like you would think, oh, like this is going to be a really great one. And then you go into these rooms and they're completely transformative where you forget where you really are. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, this is the highest quality rooms we've seen outside of LA. Like it's on par with LA, I would like, say. I'm honestly like in my mind comparing this room mm-hmm. to the room that we did in LA, the hide and seek one where we're outdoors for the yeah, circus. The 60 out. If you compare that 60 out room when you're outdoors and like the courtyard, there's like the caravans around you uh-huh. to that, you know, enchanted forest, it's the same level of quality yeah you feel like you're outside you feel like you're outside Mm -hmm. like you could not convince me otherwise yeah like i would you know the set design is on par with like the basement 60 out Mm -hmm. like any of those really hard hitters that you find in la so la listeners you guys know what we're talking about yeah um anything you find out there this is what they are doing in Murrieta and Temecula. Like they are that same level and they are not in LA and it's amazing. It, yeah. It's really a diamond in the rough. It is a hidden treasure that needs to be known. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know they're getting like anytime I see, cause you know, we're part of a lot of um, escape groups and enthusiast groups. Mm-hmm. And anytime someone's looking out here, people are mentioning them. Like they, it's getting around now that they, they that have these guys us, are worth knowing and they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Excalibur was just, it's, you know, it was everything that that other room should have been in yeah. terms of what the puzzle should have been like and stuff like that. And what's also so great about the room is that, okay, so I, I'm a mythology nerd. Mm-hmm. I like to follow all the different lores of things. And a couple years ago, I did get into the King Arthur legends uh-huh. and all the myths. Like I read all of the stories and all the... You've listened to every podcast about yeah, so, it. So like I was like a huge like King Arthur nerd, uh-huh. right? This like room hit every single major like thing that you would want to see. It mentions all of the knights by name yeah. of the nut round table. It has their sigils. It mentions the Holy Grail. Mm-hmm. It has Excalibur in the actual sword and the stone. Yeah. You know, it has small chapels. It has the round table. It has enchanted forest with, you know, like I said, mystic runes, mm-hmm. you know. There is nothing it does not have. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like... And I, I did appreciate that it doesn't go super into like Merlin per se. No, no. Which it, a it, lot it, of them no, do, okay, you know? Okay, that, that's the one thing it does not have. It does not have Merlin and it does not have uh, Guinevere. Yeah. But like... All everything about like you feel like you're a knight on yeah, the quest, yeah, and that's the great thing. Whenever a room can convince me you are a part of this world mm-hmm. and you're just going through it, not like oh you're just stuck in here, yeah, that's the best. I well, mean, if the story says oh you're stuck in here, like the one we did with the down the rabbit hole, mm-hmm. where we are supposed to be ourselves, but we fell into Alice's yeah. one land and the rabbit's house, uh-huh. whatever, that's fine. But in this case, it's like you are knights, and like I sure am. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that we always say when I'm, you know, especially when I'm explaining escape rooms to new people who've never heard of them Mm -hmm. before is it's like living in a video game. Right. You're transported into this world and you're getting to, but you're getting to physically interact with things Mm -hmm. that you, which you can't do in a video game. You know, your character can, but you're not physically touching any of these things. And like, this is a a clear example of a time where you are, you feel like you are in this world and you are getting to interact with it. Uh, You're truly transported. I mean, 
for any nerds out there, who mm-hmm. have, it's like being on the holodeck of Star Trek Next Generation or yeah. Voyager. It's, you know, you're in a room and the room transforms itself into a certain setting mm-hmm. that has been predetermined and you get to interact with everything. Yeah. And there was plenty of times, especially Next Generation, where the characters were playing Robin Hood. Yeah. I know Robin Hood, you know, there's not the same, but you guys get the yeah. fact that it's the same relative time period. Uh-huh. And it's just like that. Mm-hmm. It feels like I am in a pre-programmed thing that just magically generated and I get to play around in it. Yeah. The only difference is like, of course, in this one, there is no NPCs. There's no other yeah. people to interact with other than the people you came in with. Or the game master. But like the game master is not actually in this one. Yeah. Either. But like, but- it's, it's still fascinating to go through and touch all these artifacts, explore the lore. Even if you're not familiar with it, you don't have to be like a... Uh, an Arthur nerd. Yeah, to, and, like, and as this. with any good escape room, no outside knowledge is needed. No, you know? not sometimes all. it helps, but it's not needed. Well, in this They'll case, give you everything it's you more need. like, oh, I'm so happy they got that reference. In. Yeah, well, like I mean, they reference like at one point. I think there's something about like Tristan, and it, it references like the lovers. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you know anything about Tristan, Tristan you know. Old. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So things like that. Um, the other thing that I do appreciate about this, so we're talking about how like. Their, their rooms are very high tech. They're very, you know, the puzzles are very much what we, we kind of call it like second generation or next generation when we're talking about um, escape rooms in the sense that, you know, the first generation rooms, those are very much you're going to have a lockbox. You have to get a key. You have to get a, a combination. Yeah. Whereas your, your, your more advanced escape rooms, you probably are never going to encounter any of those things. It's more about, oh, I'm going to turn all these dials and do this thing and set this up right and a door is going to open. Like it's more, there's more tech behind it. It's yeah. not just about, um, so we're talking about all these things, but one of the things that I appreciate that they do, although their rooms are very high tech, they, when it comes to like their hint system mm-hmm. and things like that, they go kind of old school, whereas they just have essentially their game master talks to you through like a speaker and they talk to you as it, it, though they're in a character. Yeah. So like if we go back and listen to our Gold Rush one, we'll talk about how, you know, it was kind of like this like Gold Rush Sally or mm-hmm. something her name was. And here, you you know, you also are talking to someone um, who's kind of put, pretending they're like a lady in the lake kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's very simple, but the thing is, it's effective, and it doesn't break, and it gets you the information in the quickest means possible. Because one thing that I really do not like, Uh that we'll cover in other ones, is rooms where they just type it on the screen, because then, like, if they're live typing it... Like, they'll, like, mistype something or they'll or take it takes forever. forever or... And it's like, if you're going to be, like, a live typist, like, practice. Or, like, practice. they're not, you know, you're they're, they're telling you these things, but you can't, like, talk back to them necessarily. So you're like, yeah, I know, I know. I, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like, we, we did that. It's not working. You know, this, you're actually talking to a person. She's just pretending to be a character or whatever. Right. So it's just more effective and it's a quick way to get you your hints and things like that and get you the information you need. So even though it's old school... It's the most effective tool. You yeah. know what I mean? And and especially, you know, everything else is nice and high tech and great. And then they kind of go old school on this because it's still the method that works best. And <laughs> the good thing about them and how they deliver the clues and where mm-hmm. they deliver the clues is that they always seem to locate in a place that makes sense. With the Gold Rush room, we were talking into a pipe. Yeah. That was somehow connected to Gold Rush Sally. Mm-hmm. With this room, the voice came from kind of all around as if we're speaking magically through telepathy or something. Yeah. So it's not like it's coming necessarily from one place. Like, oh, you have to go talk to the flower. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if they did do that, okay, maybe like they explain like it's a magic uh-huh. flower or whatever. Who cares? But like they always make it make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the great thing. It's, you know, if, if it was a Snow White room. 
I'm sure they would have is talk directly to a magic mirror. Exactly, yeah. They, they know how to not only, yeah, do the most effective clues, but also have it be centralized and located in a way that still stays within the theme. Yeah, exactly. And that's why these guys are so great. It's that their overall set design is great. Mm-hmm. The puzzles are fun. It's next generation stuff, so it's not just a combination lock there for the lock's sake. Unless, yeah. of course, it fits. Like, they do have a World War II-themed one. Yeah. And, like, that one you know, may have a couple combination locks in it, but, like, they had those. Yeah, So, like, exactly. it's fine, Yeah, you know? yeah. And, like, this one, it does have a couple of keys and locks, but they are the old-fashioned kind of keys and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like, you know, like you would imagine would be in the thing. You uh-huh, know? yeah. Um, so, once again, that is um, Mind Trap Escape Room, and this one is at their Murrieta location, and it's called Excalibur. And they actually have th- two other rooms in addition to this one there. So you can, you know, make a day of it. Yeah. And something I want to start adding to all these mm-hmm. is let's also mention the group size that can go Okay, yeah. So this room, we did it as two, and we did successfully escape. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is possible. I mean, I do think we probably took up the majority of the time. Because right. there's, I will, I like, there's a lot to do in this room. It's, it's not that it's super difficult. I mean, it's... It's challenging for sure, but it's just that they have a lot of puzzles in there, which is good. We like that. Don't get me wrong. Um, But there was just the two of us. It does go up to 10 people though. And I do think the first room, it might be a little tight, but as it opens up more. Once you get in the second room, it's much more open. Yeah. So I I mean, I think you can get 10 people in there. I don't necessarily, I would never, or no, I'm not, I'm sorry, not 10. It goes to eight. I was looking at the difficulty. Um, Yeah. They they rate it as a six out of 10 difficulty. That's what I was looking at, but But it goes up to eight. It, it's not like a super like, oh my gosh, I can't move in the first room. It's just like yeah. once you open the second door. And you can open the second door within five minutes, I'd say. Maybe, yeah. You know, so like it's, once you get open there, it's great and it's much yeah. more room. Plus, the good thing about them is that they do have a tendency to make you have to go back and forth between previous rooms. Yeah. So it's not like once you move on, that room is now dead to you. And it's not completely linear to where like you can only be working on one thing at a time. Yeah, multiple people can spread out and check yeah. this out. Check so out. I, I don't know if I'd want to go to eight, but I do think that you can still have eight people and have a good time. I think probably four is a really sweet number for this room. Yeah, I, I could see six working really well too. Yeah. I think eight... You know, unless you have a bunch of newbies. Yeah. It would be a great number. Or if you're going with a family. That's the other thing I will say about um, Mind Trap. All of their rooms so far are um, kid-friendly. Yeah. There's nothing super scary that a kid couldn't handle or anything. You know, maybe a kid couldn't figure out a puzzle on their own. But, like, I definitely think you could do this as a family. And I, I've seen... From what I've seen, a lot of families do their rooms. Mm-hmm. So um, if you, you know, I know there's a market out there of people who want rooms to do with their their kids or their teenagers and things like this. Here's a good location for that. Definitely. Because there's no serial killer rooms or anything that you have to worry about. Yeah, the scariest thing in this room is that some guys were throwing darts at a board at one point. Yeah. You know, and like that's a puzzle. <laughs> like, oh, they were throwing like darts. Oh, yeah. You know, but like there's no actual darts to throw. You uh-huh. know, so like yeah. whatever. There's nothing scary in this room whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Maybe if the kids suddenly get it's startled because something pops open. Yeah, but, you know, even, but like yeah. that's part of the room. It's more just like ooh, mystical. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not scary. Like, like if your kid gets frightened by fairy tales, yeah. you know, for some reason, then like this is not it. Yeah. But otherwise, this would be a cool room. Yeah, no, I think most kids would love this. I yeah. think they'd be going crazy for this. Like, if you take your kids kids there, you will be like the cool parents or the, oh for sure. You know the thing like, and it's a shame that like, well, my my nephews are young, so they're too young for escape rooms yeah. now yours are almost getting to that age but they live far away Mm -hmm. like hot tip 
take your nephews and, or grandkids. and nieces or grandkids to these because you will be the cool aunt and uncle or the coolest grandparent if you take your oh, for kids sure. to these things. Yeah, like, like 100%. Like you will get all the street cred in the world. Exactly. It's way better than just bowling. <laughs> yeah, or anything that you know you might normally do. You know, take them to the movies or something like that. Like because, you will be yeah. the cool uh, relative. <laughs> People like stories, you know, and mm. there's no better story than I was the one who claimed Excalibur. Yeah, and, and it's such great like bonding and teamwork and things like that mm-hmm. you know i should also say at the very end uh when we did a claim excalibur lauren is the new queen of england <laughs> yeah i was the one who uh, pulled it from and i time. and i <laughs> willingly and gladly gave that i sat in like a little like pew nearby because we we're in like a small chapel i'm like i want to see this happen <laughs> um but yeah so we're very excited though to do the other rooms at this location because i'm definitely excalibur um it just Re- reinvigorated our love for not not escape rooms but also just you know especially after doing having done such a terrible um medieval room we were like okay. i now see what they can be yeah exactly it you know sometimes you can get kind of down on a theme and then you're like oh no this one's really good so i want to do more medieval ones and i've yeah. heard that there's another really good one um in our area so we will be but at the same time out. maybe this has ruined us so like this is the True. best it's going to get and it's all downhill from here <laughs> yeah definitely um, it definitely a, makes me want... That's not a bad thing. Yeah, it definitely makes me want um, some of the rooms in our area to step it up. Because if they can do that quality, why can't some of these others? Right. It just shows so, the true potential that they can reach at this point sure. in time. So definitely check out Mind Trap. So let's talk to our Friday favorites. So this week, um, or I should say this month, I'm really thinking about Clank. We got a chance to play it again recently. Um, we have, of course, the base, and then we also have the Mummy expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were playing the Mummy expansion. And my only complaint about Clank is that it only goes to four players, so it makes it harder to have um, the ability to play it, just because if we have more people and things like that, automatically we can't bring out Clank. And it's a deck builder, um, but you have to have the preset starting deck of yeah. those ten cards, so you can't exactly just budge it. Yeah, and I mean, you can play it with two. We've played it with two before, and it's perfectly fun with you two. You can play with two or three. That's Fine. Yeah. In fact, there's even an app that um, Renegade Games has available that lets you play it solo. Mm. Where like it gives you not necessarily like a time limit, uh-huh. but you push on the app and it gives you like objectives. Like you have to get three coins, you have to kill a goblin, or you have to do this or whatever. And then if you don't, then like something bad will happen mm-hmm. to you. And I think I've decided that I just really like uh, deck building games. We also um, have been playing a lot of Battle for Hogwarts which is a um, deck building game as well. So fantastic. Um, and well. I think I just, I like that, that kind of game. Um, well, because it's fun because everybody starts on a, on essentially equal footing. Mm-hmm. And then you can build the deck to your strategy and your yeah. strengths. You're not confined to just what's given to you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can evolve yourself. Yeah, and it's also about, too, what becomes available. So, you know, maybe your goal is always, oh, well, I always want to get these cards, but maybe those don't come out. So you have to kind of readjust your strategy. Mm-hmm. I do know that like in many deck builder games, I like to go for the higher power cards. Mm-hmm. So the first phase of my game will just be like getting up as many cards as I can that just give me more buying power. Mm-hmm. Like just give me that money so I can go get the better cards mm-hmm. when they come out. You know, like to reference Clank, you know, uh, some of the more expensive cards, especially near the end of the game, cost like seven buying power just to pick it up and it's like oh yeah normally that's impossible but if you've set yourself up so you can keep just keep drawing cards just uh-huh. keep drawing cards then also like oh now i have two by power now i have three by power now i have five uh-huh. by power then 
that's a much more feasible thing to do. At the and end you of the game. tend to always go for cards too that let you um, discard stuff, mm -hmm. so that way you can get rid of the like low value cards that are just blocking your deck yeah. from getting to the good. There's stuff. also a point in many deck builders, and any good deck builder, if you ask me, will have the ability to trash, mm -hmm. aka take a card out of your deck in rotation completely and just throw it away, mm -hmm. because. At a certain point, the starter cards are useless to you. Like, yeah. they're just kind of in the way. You're like, oh, I didn't need this. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, I mean, especially in Clank, there's two cards in there that are Clank cards that can get you into trouble. Because mm -hmm. you keep making noise and the dragon's going to hear you and burn yeah. you. So if you can get rid of those, amazing. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, or, you know, you just have lots of these, like cards that their only thing is the only thing they're good for is like buying and they only offer you like one coin or whatever and so to have those kind of keep clogging up your deck and not being able to get to the one that lets you do five is it's kind of annoying yeah, yeah it's annoying um we don't have clank in space but i'd be very curious um to get it and see how it plays as i well. hear it's significantly different like not a hundred percent, but but it's enough difference that a lot of people argue and hard argue that it's the better game. Hmm. And I mean, it's a sci-fi theme. And uh -huh. considering how many games out there are fantasy themed, yeah, a sci-fi themed game is not a bad change of pace. Yeah, for sure. You know, because I think the only we only have like two sci-fi themed games right now. One of them uh -huh. is Galaxy Trucker. Yeah, <laughs> which as much as we love, like not everyone in our gaming group likes it as much, yeah. so we don't break it out as often mm -hmm. as I might like. Yeah. Um, so what 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 are you thinking about this week, Greg? What's your favorite? I'm thinking about vengeance. I'm thinking about murder. I'm thinking <laughs> about betrayal at the house on the hill. <laughs> How on theme for you? Uh, what? <laughs> it, just because I got that great soundboard and mm -hmm. I want to play with it more. Well, but, you also just got the game. Um, I, I did. So we had played it previously, but someone else we knew had it, and we haven't played it in years. So mm -hmm. you finally decided, you know what? I like that game. I'm going to buy it for myself. Well, also the problem was that the two times we did play with that person, we got the exact same scenario. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, I mean, we played it like pretty much back to back, and like mm -hmm. the same one came up twice. And we're like, we gotta play it because we found the ring in the library, and that's the way it goes, yeah. you know, kind of thing. However, you've discovered that there's a rule that says you don't have to. There is a rule in the rule book. It's one of those probably overlooked rules, unfortunately, but there is a rule in the rule book that says if you happen to play one that you've already done. And, like, the group decides, no, let's skip that. Mm -hmm. Then what you do is, because they have a little kind of, like, handy-dandy, like, table of, like, okay, you found this omen. Like, let's just say it's, like, the little girl and she was in the boiler room. Okay, it's number 47 out uh -huh. of 50 that you're supposed to do. But if you already did that one, then you just follow the little girl matrix down one to the next room. And j let's just pretend it was in the, the chapel, not the boiler room. Uh -huh. And then you go on from there. And I, I'm assuming then you just, everyone's cool if I relocate my dude here, right? You know, and then you continue with the story. Uh -huh. And I think that's perfectly fair. Mm -hmm. You know, because otherwise, you, everyone's going to be, no, redo the game? No, we've done so much work to get here, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, not to spoil too much, but... I don't think it's a major spoiler to say in a horror-themed game that a werewolf may or may yes, not be involved. I was, I was a werewolf at one point. So for the one that we did, Lauren was the traitor. Mm -hmm. And, well, not really the traitor. It's more you got turned into a werewolf. Yeah. And then, and then I was just following my natural werewolf instincts. To maul us to death. Yes. Or turn us into werewolf, depending. <laughs> yes. You know. And thankfully, uh, I won that round with uh, the help of my friends. 
because I got the three luckiest rolls I've ever gotten my entire life on dice. <laughs> he saved it all up for this moment. I had three specific rolls I had to do in three specific places. I happened to be just the way the house was built because you built the house unique each and every time. Yeah, yeah, which is what, what I really like about the game is just that laying down the house in the beginning. I, I should go back and add, actually, um, for the dice roll segment when I talked about that zombies, mm-hmm. that also is a tile lane game. So yeah. you can build the city with like the roads different every single uh-huh. time. Um, but I had built the house coincidentally, not with any kind of plan or purpose, so that pretty much the main areas I need to be all right next to each other. Uh-huh. So you were going after one of our friends, and I was like, sorry, dude, I gotta go. I got something important I need to do. So I go to the first place, get a lucky roll, and I'm talking like I had a 5% chance to make this number, and I got it. Uh-huh. And then I go to the next one, pretty much same odds, and I nail it first time. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be here rolling for like three turns trying to get this stupid thing to go and you're going to be coming at me you know by the time you chew through everyone else no first time first time first time and i was like and we're done <laughs> yeah which was i mean it, it was very lucky because when you do if you do this scenario and you do become the mm. werewolf you become overpowered very quickly i i think that's interesting where no one else could really stop you unless you do have this just kind of perfect yeah so many of these scenarios in there and i've kind of i haven't spoiled myself fully Mm -hmm. i'm not that kind of a jerk but i did just kind of like just flip through just to be like you know uh okay how do these read because one of the downsides to this is that whenever you get to the haunt and it's revealed you have a new set of rules that's unique to that specific scenario that kicks in Uh so you then have to like sit down and essentially read the rule book for the first time Mm -hmm. and that can be kind of like a momentum killer yeah but i was just kind of going through and i saw that like a lot of the ones where a player turns into something they tend to have a theme of they get stronger over time. Yeah. And I guess it's because like, you know, just like a baby deer, he learns to Uh walk, then he learns to run, (laughs) then he learns to stab things with his antlers, you know? (laughs) So it it was very intense. And if I remember correctly, you had essentially killed, if not started to turn all the other players at the table. And Mm -hmm. I was the last actual like untouched dude left. (laughs) And I just ran at you because I had what I needed. I was like, come at me. (laughs) Uh, in, In all honesty, I probably would have died. And that's not played out even, any differently. Any, even one turn differently. <laughs> well, I think that does it for um, this month's episode. Uh, music for this episode was provided by bensound.com. As always, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. However, rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it helps new listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please come uh, talk games with us. Thanks for listening. Bye.